So I got a little surprise for you, brother. I like surprises. And I'm going to tell you from the get-go because we're recording. All right. <laughs> on, my left, on my left side, I'm actually going live on Facebook right now. <laughs> All right. I'll accept that. What's up, Facebook? All right. Even I, I, screen? I don't necessarily know if they can see you. Um, you know, I actually didn't even think about that. But uh, what I'll probably do is uh, as you're, you and I are talking – yeah. Um, I'll probably end up repeating some questions so the crowd here on the left side can see it. Uh, but really what I was doing is announcing our podcast since we're on our third episode. Excellent. And uh, what I'm going to do also as well uh, is I'm going to create a group on Facebook called Mind of a Homebuyer. And this is going to allow people to see uh, some of the videos and also ask questions. You know, should we have people engage in asking questions um, in that place? So We'll see if it takes off. Love it. And um, and just give somebody a resource, everyone a resource to, you know, reach out to us when they feel the need to. All right? Love it. Yep. Good so how you been, brother? I'm freaking fantastic, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm on top of the world. Love that we're doing this. I love the resource aspect of it. And, um, you know, I think if we just stay consistent with it, even if people don't catch on at first, because it's hard to get the first episode just jumping off, right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely wind and seeing all the stuff that we're doing and then they can go oh my gosh there's a place called mind of the home buyer <laughs> <laughs> click 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 and then they can see a hundred videos of us educating yeah yeah i agree man i mean it's like with anything else in life right everything takes time uh you know the cool thing about this man and i was just kind of sharing on the on the live video with everybody is that you know um this for me personally, and I know it's probably the same for you because I know you used to do um, a lot of podcasts before with maybe other sure. topics. Um, and for me, it just feels so natural, like a natural marketing resource um, in a way to really reach out to people uh, that have questions um, and just want to listen to some of the information that you and I talk about almost on a daily basis. Uh, right. They're real life stories. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Uh, but sometimes it does venting, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's true. And um, I think that it's, uh, you know, for me, it just comes so natural to me to talk about, you know, different circumstances and, um, and you know, the podcast to me is just so like authentic in the way we speak, but just more or less like so natural for me to just to talk, 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 talk yeah. <laughs> about, all right. about different things that can occur. Uh, I mean, I, so far so good. I'm liking it. So the fact that we're enjoying ourselves doing this, you know, that's probably the most important, right? I love it. And I, I got to say, I admire your boldness to go live on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that means like no edits. I got to uh, look around. I just had my light turned on. <laughs> I'm sure people saw that. So Jonathan, for you guys that are live, Jonathan is saying that he admires the boldness for us to go live. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to editing anything and we don't do a lot of editing we'll probably edit a little bit of the beginning of the video and then the end of the video just to you know trim out a few things and then add a little few sound features and all that stuff but <laughs> applauses and, yeah <laughs> in reality i don't have the time to do a whole lot of editing so um i just Wrong try to uncut. keep it basic short and upload and pass it on to every social media outlet you can think of um, in hopes that you guys will be listening, hopefully yes. ask us questions and download and stuff. Love it. 
listen, man. So we uh, we're on episode three here. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit. We're gonna finalize the last chapter of using tax money. We're almost mm. in March. People are gonna start getting their checks very soon. Oh yeah. And uh, we've been talking about being smart with that money. If you're considering preparing yourself to buy a house, whether it be right away or in the future. And the very first episode, we spoke about credit. Mm -hmm. It all starts there, right? Yep. It doesn't matter if you're uh, kind of position yourself for the next two months or the next, the, you know, 10 months from now uh, to start looking for a house. It, the right. credit is all where it all starts. And then the second episode we did uh, was the mortgage. Um, and we talked a little bit about financing, down payment assistance, stuff like that. And why, you know, whether you have plans to use down payment assistance or not, why you should still keep that money put away because you might need it um, if another, you know, valuable financing options becomes available for somebody that maybe gives them a better interest rate, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And today, bum, ba, da, bum. about the home buying process. Oh my gosh! Right, and exciting. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, what it is is that uh, you know, you and I talk about this at the home buyer events. We'll talk about uh, some of the promises that you're making within a contract. Uh, there's a lot of risk involved. There's money involved, uh, which is what we're going to touch on. And um, it can be circumstantial, right? If yeah, it's a new house, a resale, or what we like to call from what we got from a client. Shout out to <laughs> Davis, Alisa Davis. If you're listening, previously loved home. I told you I would be using that. <laughs> um, it could be different, right? Yeah, so many different variables that come into to buying a house. It all depends on the situation, on the house you're buying, the condition of the house, the type of loan that you're getting, your credit score. So, you know, as realtors, we kind of, um, you know, I know me and you specifically, we look into all of those things to make sure that we can get a, a good deal for the buyers because right. you just, you don't know, you know, if you stick with one, one, uh, let's say mortgage company versus kind of looking at different options or even knowing your options, or if you go from new home to, to used home, how much closing cost is covered? Is any closing right. cost covered? Right. So there's definitely a lot to, to consider um, when jumping in. You know, and it's, and it's interesting. And, and as we're going to get in, dive into this here in a second, um, I, you might've read some articles, you know, we as real estate agents, uh, we'll get articles from the photo realtors, uh, maybe like Inman news. Uh, you see a lot of articles out there and it's been the consistent theme for, whew, I don't know how many years now, maybe three years, five years where the shortage of supply of available properties that are on the market, it seems to be always very slim. And I don't know if I want to say slimmer as the years go by, because I don't have any specific numbers to share with people. Uh, but just know that the supply of properties that are available on the market to purchase when it comes to previously loved home, they're at a very low level, right? Yeah, I, I would even go as far as to say like right now where I live uh, in the Riverview area, the competition between new and used is slim to none. I mean, they're building so many new homes and at the price points, especially phase one, phase two, um, compared to the used homes that people are getting, the, the new homes are just getting eaten up. Like right everyone's up. just buying new, 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 new. 
So it, it is a slim market um, for buyers. And uh, if you find the gym, you know, we'll find the gym. We always keep our eyes out, but definitely something to, to consider. Right on. Yeah. So, you know, when you come to think about this, as we're kind of dive into these topics, you know, the reason I bring that up is because if there is a short supply and this can vary, you know, this can be, um, and we're talking about, I mean, really it's national, but we're specifically talking about Tampa Bay, Florida for now, because right. that's what we're experiencing, uh, what we've been experiencing. And, um, you know, each area like Tampa Bay is very unique because you have so many different zip codes within Tampa Bay, right? Yes. Uh, all within like 15 to 20 minutes of each other, <laughs> uh, which can be very different from other regions in the United States. Uh, but so it's a short supply in all these different zip codes, but some zip codes are going to be a lot more desirable than others, which sure. means that properties are just going to fly off the shelves like a day, two days, sometimes within the hours of the listing being out there. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy how, you know, a 10 minute drive could be a $20,000 difference on a house just because right. of the desired zip code versus just 10 minutes down the road. Yep. You, people just don't know about it. They know one zip code, but, but they won't venture down because exactly. they're just unaware. Exactly. Yeah. So the reason I say that is because this is going to be part of people's experiences and what they should be preparing for uh, is understanding that the Tampa Bay market, there's various zip codes. Some areas are more desirable than others. Uh, they could be all within 20 minutes of each other. Like you mentioned, there could be, uh, you know, you could be a 20 minutes from each other and you can literally be like $30,000 apart in price yeah, between those insane. zip codes as well. Um, so because there's a short supply in a lot of cases, uh, what happens is that when somebody falls in love with a house, more than likely, there's another family falling in love <laughs> with that same house. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, that becomes a very stressful situation for people. Um, and sometimes it can even be discouraging for people uh, because they lose out on an offer, regardless of how awesome we suggested to make the offer. Sometimes you just lose. Right. right? I think I think people's um, a lot of times the mentality is it's it's a lot of money, you know, and they just want to be sure they want to be sure they want to be sure. But at the same time, when they find the house, and they love it, but they're like, oh, let's think about it for like a day or two. Like you said, that other family already saw it the day before and they've been thinking about it for the past day and now they're ready to move in on an offer and then you lose out. So I think it's just important that when you know, like, you know, right on. it does take a day or two sometimes to make a decision, but you got to be careful because that day or two could be the difference between your offer being submitted and accepted or not. Exactly. And that's why it's super important to be prepared. And some of the other segments that we spoke about, the credit, the financing, because you want to know how everything comes in play before you get into that position of a bidding war potentially with another family. And as we're entering the buying season, which I mean, really, it's been buying season already, but traditionally people know March, April, May, tend to be June, <laughs> they told us tend to be the buying seasons because people are starting <laughs> to prepare their families to relocate, get right. their kids in school. And, you know, for the people who do have a lot more resources financially, you know, they're going to be able to position themselves and do what it takes to get in that house and get their family settled in. Right. right. So, um, so what happens, right? The whole point of us talking about this is that you come across these different experiences with bidding wars on previously loved homes, you get discouraged, it becomes stressful. You're probably on the time frame, and you're like, man, like, what do I do? Well, the other option becomes buying a brand new house, right? 
Bam. Yep. It's a little bit more peace of mind. It's you just find the new house that you want. And, um, and as long as you make the decision, it's yours. Right. And, right? and again, the different builders have different options. There might be one ready right now that you can move into, um, depending on who it is. But if you are looking, I always say it's just better to start early because if you do find a brand new house, sometimes you could take 10 months to build something new. Exactly. And I'll repeat that for the people that are on live. You know, what Jonathan was saying is that, you know, sometimes <laughs> even with different builders, there's going to be some builders that have properties available right off the bat where you can move into it in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, and they're also going to give you the option of maybe even building a house if it fits your timeline better. But then there's other builders that have different kind of options, maybe different type of floor plans where you don't have the ability just to move into that house within 60 days. You actually have to build that house. Right. And it'll take seven months, six months, eight months, right. To actually get in that. Right. So, uh, you know, that's something you have to throw in there as well. But, you know, when people are jumping into the new home uh, build type of aspect of things, another thing that comes in play with that is, um, is the actual location, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you and I do a lot of business with D.R. Horn. So you can have D.R. Horn in Wesley Chapel and then D.R. Horn in Riverview. D.R. Horn in Riverview might have a little bit more options when it comes to properties that are where you have the ability to move into it within 60 days, where in Wesley Chapel, all that stuff is gone, right? right. And right. you have to build the house. You have to wait six, seven months. Well, with D.O. Horn, it's a little bit different. It's probably five to six months. But at the end of the day, you, don't, you can't just move in there in 30 days or 60 days, right? right. So sometimes it depends on the, the zip code, the geographic location as well. Exactly. And I think that just really um, emphasizes the importance of if you're looking to buy this year or even next year, it's good to talk to somebody. Um, oh, yeah. Figure out what you want to do, where your credit is at the moment. Because even, you know, just going back to credit a little bit, there's sometimes you could fix it in three months, but there's other times it's going to take a year. Right. And then if you find a new house, depending on what you fall in love with, again, that 10 month process, eight months, depending on what it is, it's just good to know your options instead of waiting for the last minute, like, uh, I have to move in three months. And then you say, yeah. okay, so now this side of the options are gone. And now we have to focus on what we can do within the next 90 days or whatever the timeline is. So it's just good to have uh, open options, I'd say. Uh, you cut out. I can't hear you. Your mic went out. No. Ladies and gentlemen, some technical difficulties. <laughs> How about there now? Is. Yes, perfect. All right. Sometimes when I hit my cord here on my headset, it I see that I lose you. Oh, okay. Um, so I have to kind of play around with it. All right. So let's dive into it, man. Uh, I'm in. We're going to, you be, I'll be the, the previously loved home experience. Okay. <laughs> and you be the new home experience. Done. Uh, for a buyer. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about each of the steps that occur uh, and where they may be different and where they may be the same. Um, so that you can understand uh, what money's involved, what money's at risk, and also uh, just the process and the time frame, right? Yeah. Uh, of everything. And just know that with Jonathan, when he's talking about new homes, the process can be a little bit different depending on the build that you're working with as well. Right. And so what we're going to do, we're, we're, this is February 20th, 2020. And what we're going to do is give you the outline the way it is today in the way we know mm -hmm. uh, because every season can change in terms of 
how strict a builder can be with some circumstances and how flexible they'll be with some circumstances. Right. So we're entering the home buying season. Builders are, you know, they said there's a record high of permits pulled uh, for this season for builders uh, because they know that they need to provide more options to buyers uh, since there's a low supply and it gives them, it puts them in a good position to try to get the best buyers and actually sell some houses as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. All right. So let's get into the home buying process and how this is all tied into having uh, money put away, whether you've been saving your money or if you're going to actually, uh, uh, you know, use some of your tax money in addition to what you've saved and actually uh, utilize some of that stuff for the actual home buying process. So I'll speak first. Sure. Um, if you don't mind, Jonathan, uh, we'll talk about the previously loved home and a previously loved home is defined as something that's not brand new. So <laughs> nothing that's built in 2019. Uh, and if you're watching this video in the future, or newer, <laughs> um, so I'm talking about a, a home that's 2018 or 2009. We're in 2020. I forgot. So, yeah, time flies. <laughs> so anything that's almost like you could say 2019, 2018 and older is considered a previously loved home. All right. So we're, let's just do a hypothetical situation. We've been out with some buyers. We've looked around. We've narrowed down our choices. We come across a buyer, a house that we all fall in love with uh, to the point where we're not even walking through the whole house. That's how you usually know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as you walk house. in, you go, oh, this is it. You're like, oh, this is it. Uh, are you going to walk through the rest of the house? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, you know, most of the time, buyers will say, Jose, Jonathan, this is, this is it. And that's music to our ears, right? This is the one. They'll right. say, great, you know. Uh, so this is what needs to happen is that we're going to have to write a written offer, right? The yeah. actual realtor representing you writes a written offer with proposed terms to the actual seller and the seller will typically have a realtor representing them and their mm -hmm. interests, right? Yep. Now, just that process alone where we're actually becoming a little bit more proactive as the buyer's agents, what's the process with the builder when it comes to the buyer wants the house? Who's doing what at that point? Oh yeah. So with new builds, it's, it's pretty simple. You tour the model homes. If they don't have the model home, they'll see what they have built at the moment. So you could check them out, but they always have uh, sheets and different layouts to, to show you um, what you're getting. So when you're ready, when you find that house and you're ready to move forward, all you do is you let them know. You just let the builder know, say, Hey, this is the house we have. They have all their contracts and everything pre um, what's the word. It's already done. Right. So it's just a matter of, yeah, it's about, it takes about an hour, uh, depending on what it is. And uh, they'll start working on the contract right away. But you are going to have to have um, an earnest money deposit ready in order to move forward with that property. All right. So I'll stop you right there because we're going to get into that second part of it. So just to recap <clears throat> for people on live, Jonathan's saying that the new home experience is a little bit different because. Once you've toured the models, you toured the, lo the lots and you know which house you want, which floor plan, at that point, you're sitting down in the office with the sales representative that represents the builder, right? They're Jeez. actually right. representing them. They're wearing the t-shirts that say DL Horn, Lennar Holmes, KB Holmes, whoever the builder is, right? Can I just touch and, on that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. 
because it, it, a lot of people, you know, they see all these builders and they walk into the offices and they're like, well, why do I need a realtor to go into a new builder? I just see the house and I sit, like you said, and then it's done. Um, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head is that the builder sales rep is exactly that a builder sales rep. They are meant right. to represent the builder in everything. So they, they're salesmen and saleswomen. So you to keep that in mind. Um, so they're going to put on the smile, the face, like, yeah, we're going to take care of you and yada, yada. But ultimately their interests are for the better of the builder. Where as a realtor, we go in with a kind of different mindset. We're looking out for the buyer in right. that uh, relationship. Correct. So let me recap that for those that are on live. Jonathan uh, just wanted to step in and just kind of explain to people that the salespeople that are behind the desk that are welcoming you into their model home uh, and they're showing you everything. These are folks that have their licensed realtors that are under the umbrella in the fiduciary duty of the builder. Whereas we're buyer's agents that work for eXp Realty and there are other companies where other real estate agents work, they're representing the brokerage, which means the brokerage is representing your interest, right? And so what that means is that, um, is that it's, not it's not exactly the fact that uh, 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 a person that works for the builder is not gonna take care of you, but they also can't really show you the best cards in terms of what really is the best of your interest as well, right? So, um, whereas we're gonna actually go into in detail mm -hmm. how to maybe negotiate and know what to get extra for you, or in some cases, we're even gonna say to you, hey, listen, you can use the builder's lender if you want to, but you have other options as well, and we're gonna show you exactly the good and the bad behind that. Right. where maybe a, a salesperson that works for the builder, well, that builder has an entity, a mortgage company that's in-house, and that sales rep is going to, I won't say push you, but they're <laughs> going to say, go ahead and apply with our lender, right? Um, they're going to want you to move that direction. So, you know, it's, can it benefit you? Possibly, right? Every circumstance is going to be different. Right. But if you have the ability to save 1% in interest from 4% to 3% and save thousands of dollars, I mean, I'm talking about like thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, over 30 years. You know, <laughs> we're going to tell you that, right? So, um, so that could be the difference, okay? It's not a bad thing. We're just saying that we want to explain the difference between the two. All right. So let's dive into it. The very first thing that you touched on a little bit about writing a contract, uh, of what builders do. Um, you're, you're sitting there at the desk with your realtor and you're all three of us, including the sales representative that works with the builder, we're sitting down, you might've gotten pre-approved at that point. And now the builder has their own contract and the sales rep that works for them is typing out that contract. Correct. Right. According to the terms that everybody's agreed on, or as opposed to the process of a previously loved home, we, Jonathan and I, we're actually writing the contracts, sending it out to you for the signatures, and then we're emailing it to the realtor that represents the seller mm -hmm. and waiting for them to say yay or nay, right, on that right. particular scenario. Now, one of the promises that we're, the very first promise that we're making on the contract is the deposit money. We're telling the seller, hey, along with the terms of our contract, if you accept, we're going to, um, 
the very first thing that we're going to do, typically it's done within three business days from the time that the offer is accepted. The buyer has to go to a title company and sometimes your real estate brokerage might hold the money. But in our case, we like to, we like to tell people, Hey, in three days, you have to go drop off this certain amount of dollars of deposit money to this title company. Right. Okay. That, that percentage, the standard amount is typically 1% of the purchase price. So if it's a $250,000 house, that's $2,500 that you're expected to bring to a title company so that they can hold it. We're going to tell you, Hey, make sure to hold on to a receipt. So that's the very first thing that when it comes to money, it's something that you need, right? So let's talk about the new home build process. When is the money needed? And can there be a variation in terms of the amount? Because I just spoke about the resale process of the previously loved homes, right? Typically 1%. So every builder is different. Um, I I've seen, you know, depending on the relationship, depending on the builder and depending on the, the situation that's at hand, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you could put sometimes as little down as a thousand dollars and some builders will be okay with that. Uh, I've been seeing adjustments in what they're accepting versus what they're not accepting. So depending on how much you're putting down for the home, um, some builders will be 2,500 and it could go up to $5,000 and up. So every situation is different, but they want that money when you're ready to sign the contract. So if you're ready to buy a house and you go sit down with the the new builder, um, most of the time they're going to say, okay, uh, we need the deposit of X amount of dollars. Uh, And then you're going to have to give them something. There are certain situations where they can split up the payments, but um, they're pretty much going to want at least something now and then maybe this isn't like a guarantee. Maybe they'll spread it out within a, a couple of weeks. Right. But um, typically it's, it's a, when you're ready to sign the contract, you should be ready to put down the earnest money deposit. So recapping it for the people on live, Jonathan is saying that if you're going to buy a new house and at the time that we're all sitting there at the desk with the sales representative that works the builder, in order for them to hold that house down, they want that deposit money like the same day, Right. Right. So that sometimes means that you have to run to Publix, get a money order or do what you got to do. <laughs> uh, because typically that lot is still available to be sold until they have that money in their hands. Okay. It doesn't matter if they filled out a contract or not. They need the deposit money. That amount can vary depending on the builder. And it could be anywhere from 2500 to even $10,000 sometimes, right? Yeah, even, even more. Um, depends on what you're putting down. Like if, if you tell them I have 20% I'm going to put down, they're not going to say, okay, just give us $2,000 and the rest of closing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. they want to see, see how serious you are um, and they're going to want you to, to put money down so it, that they could take it off the market basically. It varies by builder. It varies by yeah. the type of financing. Like if you're conventional, military, FHA, uh, there's different requirements on how a builder, what, what they might expect. And in, in actuality, just recently, um, you know, a lot more builders are getting a little bit more strict where yes. they used to really, uh, you know, be a little bit more flexible with maybe getting half of the deposit money now, half a month from now. There's a lot of builders that are actually saying like, listen, we need it all up front or give us half now and half like in two weeks or in a week. Right. And a lot of that, the, re- the mentality behind that for people that don't know is that 
we're going into a buying season. The builders know that there's not a lot of options for buyers when it comes to previously loved homes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of these buyers might swarm to buying a new house, right? And you have a bunch of buyers and they want to pick out the best fish in that, in that pond of buyers. <laughs> when we mean by the best fish, we mean the people who are serious, that have the deposit money, are strong in their financing, because what a builder doesn't want is someone to go under contract, get the deposit money, and then that buyer changed their mind. Right. Right. They're trying to avoid and minimize any kind of fallouts. So they want the strongest buyers and the most serious buyers um, at this point, and which is why one of the ways they do that is by testing you and saying, you know, do you have all of your deposit money like right now? Exactly. And again, it's just, it's not written in stone because last year's rules aren't this year's rules. So right. the builders can change the rules whenever they want. It's, they really, like you just said, they want the best buyer at the table. So right. just make sure to be, uh, be prepared. So quote unquote, in Jonathan words, <laughs> last year's rules are not this year's rules. And sometimes <laughs> spring season of 2020 rules are not going to be falls 2020 rules. So it can change. Right? right. And that's where sitting down with somebody early on in a process is helpful because you can really, uh, you know, get a good uh, measure of where everything is at currently in the mentality of everything that we're going to be speaking about. So, so I already said, on an example of buying a $250,000 house, a previously loved home, I'm already telling you, you need $2,500 more or less, right? And in a new home build, we're already telling you you're going to need anywhere from $2,500 and sometimes even up to $10,000. Right. And again, there's a lot of varying factors there as well, right? So that's one cause, uh, one case for, you know, making sure that you're putting money away for the process. And yes, you know, can you buy a house with 0% down or have, uh, down payment assistance money, yes, mm-hmm. but that doesn't rule you off from actually having to have money for the deposit. They're still going to want it. That's true. That right? that money solidifies the contract. That's uh, that's the whole reason for the um, earnest money deposit. And also it, it tells them how serious you are, but you always need a deposit to put down. It's, right. uh, it's not a zero deposit ever. Right. And let me recap uh, for you, for the people that can't see you on live. Uh, Jonathan said that uh, it really just shows you, it shows the builder how serious you are about moving forward with the rest of the steps of the offer and getting to closing on a timely fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the level of commitment. That's what that deposit money is. Now, is that deposit money necessarily lost? Like once they spend it, are they ever going to see it again? No. No, no. It's, um, there's, there's a, there's a couple stipulations in the contract. Um, for new builders, typically from what I've seen, if financing falls through at no fault of the buyer, they'll be able to get the deposit money back. Right. Um, outside of that, there's, I haven't seen too much leeway unless you want to touch on it. Um, as far as people getting their deposit back because they have the inspectors, they, it's a brand new house. Um, it really, unless there's some major thing that happens on their part, on their fault, right. Right. then they're pretty much uh, keeping that deposit. So for those who are live, Jonathan said that, you know, in the majority of the cases, every builder's contract is going to be a little bit different as to what the lingo is, uh, which is why it's always important to ask prior to signing anything, if the money is refundable or not. And if it is, at what point? And if it's not, at what point? 
And I'll, in, you know, in most cases, the money is refundable if, uh, let's say, the buyer's financing uh, falls through and it wasn't at the fault of the buyer, meaning it's something they couldn't control, right? Um, and again, that could vary per contract, but that's usually what we see, right? Um, so for a previously loved home, <laughs> um, the same applies, right? Where um, as long as you're meeting things within a timely fashion, uh, meeting all the deadlines, uh, then that money, both for a new home or a previously loved home, it gets credited at the day of closing as a credit. So if you put $5,000 down, that's a credit that you're going to see at closing. So to kind of give another perspective of it, if you need down payment money in the amount of $9,000, $5,000 of that is going to come off the $9,000, and now you only need $4,000 at closing, right? Right. And that's the same with new builds as well. Yep. That money all goes towards your, uh, your closing costs. So new builds or previously loved home, the both apply. This, that same mentality applies on both. Okay. So the next thing, uh, the next promise that involves money, and that's also written in the contract, is the deposit money. Or I'm sorry, the home inspection. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the home inspection money, um, it can, depends on which company you're choosing, but it can literally go anywhere from $400 to $600, right? Mm-hmm. And that money, um, when you spend it, it's gone. You'll never see it again, right? Yep, that's like dinner money. But you are spending that money. And in the state of Florida, by the way, it's optional to do a home inspection. Uh, but you're highly recommended to do it uh, to the point that Jonathan and I, when somebody tells us that they don't want to do it, we actually have them sign a disclosure letting them know that we suggested it to them and they turned it down, right? Right. Uh, for VA loans, again, it, there's a lot of myths when it comes to VA loans because some people think that someone from the VA actually goes and inspects the house, and that's not the case. It's a home inspector. They're going to look at it very thoroughly. Uh, it is not uh, required, but what is required for military loans is a termite inspection, okay? Mm -hmm. But a home inspection is highly recommended, optional in the state of Florida. It ranges anywhere from four to $600. On a resale home, a previously loved home, once you spent it, it's gone. If something happens with that inspection where you're not satisfied with it and we can't come into an agreement with the seller and the seller's realtor about fixing stuff, uh, lowering the price, if we can't come to an agreement, can you hear me? Yes. It switched okay, my okay. Yes. Good. Yeah, something I saw a little sign on my screen. Um, if we can't come to an agreement, that that inspection money is gone. The deposit money you get back as long as we give them, as long as we communicate with the seller's realtor what our intentions are, if we're going to move forward or not at that point. Within, within the time the frame that we, right, according to the timeline, right? For a new home build, are you recommending uh, for people to do a home inspection or not? Absolutely. Um, depending on the builder also, there, you know, some builders are building 20, 30, 40 houses at a time. Sometimes mistakes happen. I always recommend getting an inspection. And uh, one thing that <clears throat> sometimes the, the salespeople will do is say, oh, you don't need an inspection. We have our own inspectors and they come in. I, I just, you know, it just goes back to that uh, fiduciary duty where we're looking out for the buyer 
the builders are looking out for the builders. So I always recommend it. You never know what they catch. And uh, every inspection um, that I've recommended to all the buyers who've gotten new homes has always come back with nothing major, but just like a couple things that just need to be fixed that weren't addressed or just were overlooked that people didn't right. notice. So it's just a good peace of mind to have, uh, especially when you're going into new homes. And the best thing about the new homes is that they fix everything because it's a brand new home. So there's no right. nitpicking going back and forth. Like, yeah, we're not going to do that. It's like, no, okay, you caught this. We'll fix it and we'll take care of it because they want to make you sure that you're happy with the home. Right. So Jonathan's answer for those who can't hear him right now, and you'll hear him a little bit later once we upload the video, um, is if the home, sh I asked him if should the home be inspected if it's a brand new house? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, construction workers are going to make mistakes, right? They're on deadlines. They're under pressure. They have right. to build homes at a certain specific time. There's different contractors from different companies. It's hard to supervise. You have one construction supervisor managing, you know, what could be up to a hundred lots or more. Right? right. And so it's hard to put everything in order. So, um, so having your own home inspector that represents you as the buyer, not us as the real estate agents for you, not the actual builder. Let me turn this off here. Not the actual builder, uh, but it represents you and your interests. And Jonathan was saying that in a lot of cases, when they do find things, it's usually little small things, but it gives you the peace of mind that you did the home inspection, right? right. Um, I, I, in my personal experience, most of the time is exactly what you said. It tends to be little things. Um, very few times was it something major. And right. I promise you when it was major, like, you know, Maybe um, maybe somebody drain somebody put stuff in the draining line, like in the bathroom tubs, right? Mm -hmm. That had cleared out the plumbing part of it. Uh, maybe um, God, what do you call it? Like maybe some of the wood framing in the garage. You know, maybe something was yeah. broken. I had uh, someone it was unintentional. In, the, in the attic. They uh, one of the boards wasn't fully connected to another board, and uh, that was a pretty right. major major thing. And nobody would have noticed it unless the inspector actually went into the attic and pointed it out. And I was like, Oh right. no, that's a big thing. You got to fix that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like, you know, when we're talking about these, you know, stories about damaged wood or things not being connected the way they should. Um, sometimes some of the stuff is just, it's unknowingly done. It's, they don't know that they're doing that. You know, sometimes, sometimes there are people are stepping out the, the actual lot in itself where they're building and they're going to go home and they step on something. They didn't realize they damaged something. Right. right. Uh, so sometimes it's unintentional as well. Um, so, but the one thing that you stated uh, in the beginning is that when you do a home inspection, there's a lot of peace of mind behind it because if the, if your home inspector does find something, it's very, very likely that the builder is going to fix it because it's a brand new house. Right. Yeah. They don't want you moving into a broken house. They're going right. to take care of you. Exactly. So, you know, we are big advocates of people buying brand new houses before that reason that there's peace of mind. Um, and other reasons as well, but we won't dive into that. Um, but one thing where it gives you peace of mind is that when you spend that money, you know things are going to get fixed. As opposed to a previously loved home, when you do it, there is absolutely no promises that the seller is going to fix anything to begin with. Right. <laughs> uh, it can really vary because you don't know what that person's going through, uh, fin like financially, you don't know what they're going through. There's no promises. And a lot of times these properties are sold as is and the contract is actually says 
as is. Um, so right. what happens if they don't come into an agreement to fix something? Well, you're probably not happy. Now we have to go look for another house. And guess what? You're probably going to have to spend money again for another home inspection. Yeah, it becomes this, uh, this almost like back and forth thing. And then they, it becomes like this big decision that the buyer has to make. Like, do right. I want to move forward with these broken things? Do I want the house that bad? Did I waste my money? Should I move on? Um, so it's just a lot of, of thought process that ends up going behind it, it, which is one of the reasons, like you said. Um, and, and not only do they have to like, not only does the buyer have to be in a position where they have to make a decision. Should I move forward? Should I not? But a lot of the pressure behind that is the buyer's timeline. Right. Right. Exactly. Like if you're running out of time to get into your new house, because you got to tell the landlord that you're going to renew or whatever the story is, or maybe you're relocating from a different state, you know, it, it, sometimes you to compromise on some things that you normally wouldn't compromise on. Exactly. Right? And so that puts a lot of pressure on you. And not only that, you know, we all have families and stuff like that. We all got things going on in our personal lives and you want to continue your personal life. So you want to get this whole home buying process thing done, right? Exactly. So we covered deposit money. We covered home inspection. The third thing, uh, we're almost getting to the end here. The third thing is the appraisal, right? The appraisal is different from the home inspector. Uh, the appraiser is going to be the person that is going to look at the value of the house. So if you're buying a house for 250 grand, the bank wants to make sure it's worth 250 grand, right? Sure. They, they do look at the home, uh, the condition of the home, but not like a home inspector. Like a home inspector will go climb on top of the roof. They'll take technology, look to see if there's moisture <laughs> behind the walls. Uh, an appraiser is just going to take a clipboard more and look at things to make sure it's habitable for living. But more importantly, they also want to make sure that the home is worth what you're paying for, right? What you said you're going to pay for it according to the contract. So right. this dollar amount for an appraisal can vary, again, based on what mortgage company you use. Uh, but it can be anywhere from, let's say, 450 bucks to $600, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, it varies. Yep, and that applies for a new home or even a previously loved home. Correct. A lot of times I see the, the appraisers and the closing costs, them. So um, depending on the mortgage company and the situation, you're usually paying that at closing kind of lumped in with everything right on so once you spend that money money's gone no one's going to give that back to you if the home doesn't appraise mm -hmm. and there's not an agreement with the builder or the seller to have you uh to have them sell you the house for what it appraised for so if it appraised for 245 there's no guarantee that the seller is going to give you 245 right, right. um so things have to be renegotiated um obviously that's where experience comes in we try to find an agreement with both parties and mm -hmm. try to keep things moving along. Right. Cause nobody really wants to take a step back. Uh, but for the most part, if there is a disagreement, guess what? You've lost money on the appraisal. You've lost money on the home inspection, but you do get your deposit money back. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're investing yourself a little bit more financially. If you have to start over again, you're going to need more money. Right. 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 And that, that's, Similar to the new builds, um, same way they, they get the appraisal set for the new house. Most of the time, well, I, yeah, new builds appraise. <laughs> they got that price. They set it. I have uh, have yet to see one not appraise. So, but how do you handle that with uh, use homes? With use home, if something doesn't appraise? Is that the next topic that I could? No, I thought you were asking me a question. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I think we covered everything on the appraise. I'm going to wrap it up because I know it's getting a little bit long. I don't even know how long this video is going for because I know that when you get on this. Yeah, you just start talking. We, we can talk a lot about this. So uh, the last part of it is the closing costs. Uh, it's more from a financing perspective. So you typically kind of handle this with uh, once you get pre-approved as opposed to actually going to the home buying process uh, and getting into a contract and all these commitments. The closing costs are a set of normal and standard transaction costs. And you can normally find what the estimate is at the time of pre-approval by asking the mortgage company for something called the closing cost worksheet. Now remember, these are estimated expenses. Typically they're on the high end, uh, but they're estimated because you don't have a specific property picked out at this point, which is okay. You just really wanna screen for all these different fees and expenses, and you wanna make sure nothing looks out of the normal, right? Right. It also gives you an idea what your interest rate is, estimated payments, things of that nature. Uh, but let's say hypothetically that uh, the closing costs, they tend to be anywhere from 3% to 5% of the purchase price of a home. So yeah. I'm going to do it a little bit easier math and say $200,000 house. It could be anywhere from 6000 to $10,000 in closing costs. Yeah. Yeah. It varies. Uh, my rule of thumb is whatever the down payment is, I usually just double it and say that's an estimated closing cost just to give you an idea. Cause if it's FHA, it's three and a half percent. So I kind of pick right in the middle. Right. Um, but it all varies. It varies if you're buying a previously loved home or a brand new house, it varies by the mortgage company, uh, when you're shopping around. Uh, but this is a set of expenses again, anywhere from six to $10,000 on a $200,000 home. That goes on top of what you need for your down payment money, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> and then a lot of cases, um, you know, when people don't have that money, uh, whether they have it or they don't, you know, it's really subject to Jonathan and I to really negotiate with the seller mm -hmm. and the builder uh, to try to help you pay for all, half, or some of the closing costs. But again, every circumstance might be a little bit different. Right. right. A lot of buyers would some, uh, not buyers, uh, builders would sometimes offer incentives. Sometimes they cover closing costs. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get special perks working with specific realtors, wink, wink, on certain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but it all varies. Yeah. Yeah. It varies. So, you know, there's some builders, uh, but again, like Jonathan was saying is, is that there's some builders that will uh, cover all your closing costs. They'll tell you that up front. I still like to ask for the closing cost worksheet, even when they tell me that, mm -hmm. because again, you never know if one specific builder might have a specific fee in there that another builder may not have. And that might be, that might make the difference in the world by you deciding which builder to go with. Right. Um, so just be ready. Money's necessary and it's needed <laughs> for the process of buying a house. It does not matter if you have down payment assistance, obviously it helps to have the down payment assistance. Um, or if you're doing like a VA loan with 0% down, you still need money. Things still need to be negotiated. There's still a lot of risk, right? Mm -hmm. And so the best thing that Jonathan and I can tell you is that as your tax season is here uh, and you're getting that money and hopefully you've been saving money on top of that, uh, it's very necessary to sit down with somebody first, do a consultation, understand what your circumstances uh, and understand what the action plan is behind, what the market is, what money's necessary, to, and what you have available to you uh, that you would feel comfortable using for the process of buying a house.
right? Right. Yeah. And that, and, and I would do it sooner than later. Like even if you're planning this year or even next year, if you're planning to buy a house next year, it's just good to sit down with somebody and kind of go over the plan. You know, yeah. let's strategize a little bit and, uh, and figure out maybe you don't look right now, but maybe we can start prepping and preparing you for, it, for when you're ready. I can't tell you how many people that we started with last year, just having conversations about credit, preparing them. And now they're in the process of actually buying the house, getting pre-approved, buying a house, right. you know? So the conversations and the planning happen, you know, way before you actually even think about stepping on the field to look for a house. Um, that's usually the case, a majority of the case, right? And exactly. for people who are in leases, I always tell people, Oh my gosh. You want to be prepared for you even have to give notice to the landlord. Yeah. Because you know, the more confident you are about what house you're going to move into, what community you're going to be in before you have to give notice, you can actually give notice with a little more sense of confidence. You're cutting in. I'm breaking up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know okay. if it went through in recording, but I'm that's fine. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You can hear me now though. Right. Yes. All right, cool. So guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up. I, I hope we stayed under 30 minutes. Uh, we started <laughs> at 930. Yeah, we went 48 minutes. Um, so um, we appreciate you guys listening. This is episode three. Absolutely. Jonathan Perez. Yes. Jose Mejia over here. We're going to come again. We have another episode scheduled for Monday. We're going to have a special guest on that one. Um, we don't know if we're going to do it on video or if it's just going to be on phone. We're going to play by ear. Uh, we try to do things on video because it's a little bit more interactive and you sure. guys can see our faces and our expressions. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to have a special guest on Monday, uh, you know, forbidding that there's no rescheduling or anything of that nature. <laughs> uh, this is a person that comes from uh, financial advice, uh, things that happen maybe even after you close on your house and things that you should be thinking about. Um, I get a lot of that from my past clients. So like start asking me questions about life insurance, mortgage insurance, um, and sure. so we want to bring this guest in, talk about those things and be ready. Awesome. Love it. Can't wait. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Remember, this is the, the, the mind, the mind of, of a home buyer. <laughs> yep. The podcast. <laughs> find it pretty much everywhere. Google Play, Spotify, all these things. And then we're going to create a group page here pretty soon on Facebook. And hopefully we can have enough of our crowd in there for people to ask us questions. All right. Appreciate awesome. it. See you guys later. Thanks for tuning in on live as well. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to stop and record this in different places. <laughs> <laughs>